and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Why don't we pray as we get into the Word? Father, we thank you. As we come around your Word, um, Lord, we just pray that you would bring great revelation, uh, that as we put application to that revelation, it will bring transformation. And we pray, God, that you would open up every single heart to hear not my words, but you would articulate your words out of my mouth. They would speak to every single person that we could be more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The title of my message today is Lost in the House. Lost in the House. Has anyone, does anyone remember the old street map, the UBD? Did you have those here? Yeah, you remember that? And, and you used to open it up. This is before mobile phones, everyone. You used to open it up. And did anyone remember going from one page to then like page 176 to then 186? And then, but then that was just the corner and then it went down into the next one. And you were like trying to like quickly turn those pages and you can't find where you are and that. And, and then when you got, like, if you were like me and my family, is you had one that was about six or seven years old. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So when you went to some new estate that someone built, you rocked up and you're like, then they sort of get you to this point and then they gave you a directions and then you got lost. And then you get that flustered feeling of where am I and the anxiety comes in and you're trying to... And you know what? Today's day and age, you just pick up your mobile phone. But back then, you had to find a Telstra phone. You know, a phone booth. You remember that? And you would go around and find that. I know some of you teenagers don't know what I'm talking about. But imagine this. You lost cell reception, okay? And you couldn't log into your Facebook, so you forgot who you were. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, being lost, right? You, you forgot what you looked like. You were there. And, and now, you know, it's funny, these... Being lost, that, that feeling of being lost. I remember one time sleeping in a sleepover and uh, I was at my cousin's house and I slept on, on a mattress next to his bed on the floor and I woke up needing to go to the toilet, okay? It was pitch black and I remember getting up and I hit my head on some shelf or something and, and I was up and I was trying to find the door and I didn't want to wake him up and so I'm like, you know, in here so disorientated, and I'm like bumping into things in his room, and all of a sudden, I hear him go, hey, John, what are you doing? And he switches on the light, and I'm in the corner, okay? Facing into the corner, and I I didn't know where I was, and oh, the door over there, I don't know what I was doing, (laughs) just gotta go to the toilet. But I wanna talk about being lost. And if you were to look in the Bible, there's a great lost passage and it's in Luke 25 verse sorry Luke 15 verse 25 to 32 now we're going to read it from sort of in the middle if it was the movie it would be like this final scene but basically what's happened to this point is about a lost son or a lost prodigal living son now in verse from from the verses what we have is we're cutting into the scene where what's happened before is there's a father he has two sons the older son and the younger son. The younger son decides, you know what? I want my inheritance now. And so he goes to his dad. His dad isn't dead or anything like that, but he says, hey, look, I don't want to wait for you to die, but I want my inheritance now. And so the father actually gives it to him. Well, okay. So he takes the asset 
half the assets of his father and that, and he sells everything, gets the money, and he goes and he lives it wild in, in the city of Sydney, everyone, okay? He goes crazy. So, it, you know, he, he's spending, he's doing all these like massive parties and everyone's over at this and that and the other. And, um, and, you know, a bit of proximity spending in there where, anyway, and he comes around to this point where he finds himself, okay, and he's in a dark place. When he ran out of money, he ran out of his friends, he ran out of friends, ran out of parties being invited, and he ends up in this place where he is feeding pigs. Now, today's day and age, we would think, oh, feeding pigs isn't that bad. But back in the Jewish mind, a pig was an unclean animal. That means that, that in that climate, back in this culture, that not even a Jewish slave would do the job of feeding a pig. That's how low it was. So he is at the low of the lows, feeding the pigs, thinking, wow, even, even the servants in my father's house eat better than this pig. And then he, he sort of comes to his senses, the scripture says, and then he starts his journey. He decides that maybe my father will have me as a slave and I'll at least eat better. I'll at least live better as a slave in my father's house than where I am right now. So as he's going and he's walking towards the father, um, the father's house, the father sees him on the horizon. And this beautiful moment, this is like, if you were like watching the movies, it would be that moment where they're running and the father's running after the son. And then you've got the son running after the father, maybe falling over a little bit, getting back up and running. You've got that, you know, the music is there. And then the drones like flying around them and they embrace right there. And it's this beautiful sign of just the father embracing the son. And, and the father then says, hey, look, bring the best robe and put it on him. That would have been his robe. Hey, grab the signet ring and put it on his hand. That meant authority. And then put some shoes on his feet. That meant to the son that you're not coming as a slave because slaves were barefooted, but you're my son. You are my son. And this is such a great heart of the father right there. And then the father's like, let's have a party and let's invite the whole village and kill the fattened calf. And here we land in Luke 15, verse number 25. You ready? It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. Everyone say angry. angry. And refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now in Luke um, chapter 15, three lost things. We know three lost things are in there. So you've got the lost sheep, then you've got the lost coin, and then you've got the lost prodigal living son. But I want to propose today that there's a fourth lost person, and that's actually the older son that became lost 
in the house. In the house. How could someone that had a relationship with the Father? How could someone that sat down and ate with the Father, that was hanging out, that was sleeping and living with the Father, miss the Father's heart so much completely and find himself lost? And maybe if he can be lost in the house, maybe we can be. Maybe we can find ourselves in church, in the house of God, and still find ourselves lost. Maybe we can be in relationship with Jesus. Maybe we can be still in prayer meetings and praying and reading our word and still become lost in the house. Now, maybe you guys are thinking it's the Father's fault, okay? Because, you know, as we read the Scriptures, here he is, and the older brother is pretty upset because the father kills the fattened calf for the younger brother, but yet the younger brother, sorry, the older brother, sorry, the father kills the fattened calf. Let me just get into my message, okay? <laughs> kills the, the fattened calf for the younger brother, but the older brother never even had a lamb. He never even got this little small lamb that would feed him and his friends. So, has anyone, does anyone know what it's like sort of to have your older sibling sort of maybe, maybe get the new clothes and you got the hand-me-downs? Anyone, anyone, any younger kids, anyone else like me in the house that, you know what, when, when Easter or Christmas was coming, they got a really cool present and you just got, you know, my brother got a Sega Master System 3, okay, with Alex kid on it. You know? I got a Tickle Me Elmo, everyone. Yeah, what, what happened there, mum? Yeah, you know, like, my brother's still playing for this years later, and my Tickle Me Elmo was, it was lost somewhere, okay? It's kind of like this. A dad goes and buys your other sibling a BMW M3, okay? And then he purchases you a used Hyundai XL. And then you go to get in it to drive it, and then, and then the father's like, actually, your mum actually needs it. She's going to just going to drive to the shops right now. And then that's sort of like, what is this? Is this why the, the, the oldest son became lost in the house? I, I don't think so. So how did the older brother become lost in the house? The first thought is this. He perceived the father's love was earned. Wow, you see, most of us here have probably been raised up in a, a lifestyle or a value system where if we do good, we get rewarded. Anyone else? Yeah? Yeah. I remember in uh, high school and uh, we're getting our results back from, it was probably like a year 10 class or something, and, and as we got our results back, I looked at mine and I'm like, see, yeah, I passed, you know? And then I'm like, oh, my friend uh, Ashley, he, he was Singaporean. And uh, I was like, what did you get? He's like, oh, distinction. I'm like, awesome, good work, you know? And I look and I realize that he's actually not happy. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't until we went home that afternoon to his house when I went over to play and his grandma was like, hey, Ashley La, what did you get, you know? And he's like, a distinction. And she's like, what? Distinction? What happened to a HD? You know, he got in trouble for not getting a HD, everyone. This was like, I'm so white, you know? Like, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. He's get, he got grounded, everyone, okay? He got grounded for not getting a HD. 
we couldn't play for the next two weeks together. You know, it's funny that who here has been rewarded for getting good results in school? Yeah, there's a couple of people. Any other people out there? Who, who, who gets rewarded for doing good things at home? Yeah, we, we do that. And you know what? When we take this, this system of, okay, if I do good, then good things happen, and I earn my way, and I earn that, and we pull that, and we have this same relationship that maybe we have with our parents where when we're good, we get blessed, and when we don't, we get blessings withheld. All of a sudden, we take that same concept and value system with our Father in heaven. All of a sudden, we think God loves us more or less depending on what we do or what we don't do. Let me tell you, there's nothing you can do that'll stop God from loving you. There's nothing you do, do, do that'll stop God from pouring His love. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done or anything like that, but He loves you so much and nothing you can do can change that because the Father's love isn't earned, it's just given. It's given. He loves you no matter what because who you are, not what you've done or what you can do for Him. He loves you for who you are. You see, the other thought of um, how did the older brother become lost in the house is he focused on himself. Get this. The father says, this brother of yours was lost and is now found He was dead, but is now alive. How did this brother make the younger son coming back to the house all about him? How how did he make that about him? I don't know about you, but uh, I love birthdays, okay? I I love receiving gifts, and I love giving gifts. And so it was coming up to my wife's birthday, and she was like, I really want a bike. I'm like, fantastic, we'll buy you a bike. I didn't have a bike at the time, but I'm like, it's cool. And I'm like, what sort of bike do you want? She showed me this picture of a vintage bike, okay? I was like, oh, I could pick one of those up from the tip, you know, uh, <laughs> straight in there, save some good money. But she's like, no, 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 it needs to be Tiffany Blue, everyone, okay? If you're a single man, you need to learn what Tiffany blue is, okay? If you don't know that color, if you heard that, you didn't know that color, you need to learn it because it'll definitely help you later on in life, okay? Um, any women agree with that? Yeah, okay. If you're married, you forgot the color, you got to remember that color. Um, and, and so I was like, okay. And I'm like, but I can't get, it's got a basket. It looks like a bike that I can't even be seen with everyone, okay? Not only that, but I was like, we can't get you that because... If I do get a bike, that won't be able to keep up with the bike that I want to get anyway. So we need to get you a proper bike. I made her gift all about me. I made it, you know, it's funny how we we make that about us. We make it about us and what are we doing. The truth is, you know, we make things that shouldn't be, that should be about others, about ourselves. You know, like being here tonight, Maybe you rocked up and you're like, oh, these aren't the songs that I like singing. We we make church about ourselves. We come in and we look at who's emceeing or who's worship leading. We're We're like, oh, Fallon's worship leading tonight. Fantastic, you know? Or if we come in and, and we start to make the service, oh, I wonder who's on drums, or oh, Jared's on drums, he's awesome, you know? We make it about this, oh, I don't know about that second song. 
I really would have chosen another praise song. You know, we start to come in there and then all of a sudden the MC, you're like, oh, I like this MC. They really lift the vibe and they really get it going. And, and then you came today and maybe you were expecting Pastor Brad and then you got someone, a Western Australian, right? Is he even Australian? Does he even love our nation? It's funny how we make it all about us. It's funny how church stops becoming about worshipping God and we're here for Him, but, but we've made it about my experience and how I enjoyed this, the, the whole service. It's not about that, everyone. It's about coming in and lifting Him the praise, living and giving Him all the glory. God, we lift You up. We don't come here for us. We don't come here for me. We come here to bring God praise, God glory. Man, that's what church is about. It's about God, not you. So where do we get this critiquing sort of spirit in our lives? I think we get it from things like great TV shows like MasterChef. Have you, ever, have you ever found yourself watching something like MasterChef and as they're putting some salt in, you go, oh, bad, too much salt. Oh, why did you put lemon in that mix? Have you ever found yourself coming in and, and you're literally in there and you're telling, oh, like Australian Idol, and you're like, oh, just didn't, bit pitchy, bit pitchy, a wrong song. I, I really felt like I just didn't get pulled out of my feet, you know? Like, you, you know, we, we sort of, we come in and we start critiquing this and that. And before we know it, we come and we bring that into our church and we critique here and there and sounds loud or too loud or not loud enough or anything. And we come around, then we pull that into our marriage and then we start critiquing our wife and why can't you be more like that person or do this or that? And, and then all of a sudden we find our marriage is a contract. It's not a covenant anymore because... It's about what I can get out of it, not what I can give out of it. And then we pull that around and then Jesus, and then we come to Jesus and Jesus becomes all about you. He's like your little waiter boy, your little lackey, you know? He's like, Jesus. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I broke the mic. And then, and then all of a sudden we're expecting Jesus to go, hello, how are you? You know, and you're like, oh, Jesus, I want you to do this, 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 this. He's like, Yes, sir, you know, and then he goes back and, and there's Jesus' genie gone, you know, and it, we do that, we do that. We, we think that everything is for us and it's all about us and it's all about me and we start singing in our lives the Shannon what about me? It isn't fair, I've had enough, now I want my share, can't you see? I want to live but you just take more than you give. What about me? It's so true. We make it about ourselves. We make it about ourselves. You see, this critiquing spirit was found in a lot of the Pharisees. And it was the very thing that rubbed Jesus up the wrong way. Jesus had no problem with people that knew that, look, I'm a sinner and I've done wrong. But when you've got someone that's acting like he's, he's pure, all that, and covering everything up, and this is it. This is, this is what rubbed Jesus the wrong way. In Matthew 23, verse number 25, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! 
You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. What was it about them that they tried to look holy on the outside, but inside they they were just hiding stuff. Inside it was all about them. That they were making this outer appearance like, oh, I'm giving, look at me, give. But inside, it was still orientated around themselves. Why is it so important? Because Jesus is more concerned about the inside of your lives than the outside. It's not, not what you do. Jesus isn't too concerned about that, but he's like, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? How are you going on the inside And right there, we see in Proverbs 4, verse 23, in the Amplified, it says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. You see, the heart, your heart, that is the steering wheel of your life. That's why Jesus is more concerned about what's happening in you, because he's like, hey, Wherever, wherever your heart is, whatever's inside of you, that is where you're going to be led. That's what's going to be drawn. And so if that thing's just filled with money, if that thing's just filled with pride, if that thing's just filled with, look at me, that's, that's the exact thing. That's where you're going to steer your life. And we see a glimpse of what's in the older son's heart by what comes out his mouth. And he says this in Luke 15, verse 29. But he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. In becoming so self-absorbed and self-centered, he, this is my last point, is he became over-familiar with the Father. Look, did you know that in this day and age, by not saying my father, but just saying look was an incredibly disrespectful thing to do and say. And that's why he put it in there. He shouts at his father and says, look. And maybe if we're going to have the worship team come up, that'll be great. Scholars say that this was so disrespectful. And you know what? How many times have we become over-familiar with the father? How many times have you become over-familiar with the freedom you have? Do you remember what it used to be like when you didn't know Jesus? Do you remember what it used to be like when you carried all your sin and all that weight on your shoulders? Do you remember that? I think sometimes we've just got to go back and remember, well, thank you, God, for what you did to my life, in my life. It's amazing that in this, his perception was confused that he perceived himself to be working as a slave and not as a son. You see, he thought he was slaving away for his father, but his father's like, everything's yours. What you're doing is yours. How many Christians walk around never realizing the authority and power of what God has given you? And you're just slaving away in this life, not realizing you're a son and you got the power of the Holy Spirit in you and you're there and you're not realizing it because he forgot what was already his. Have you forgotten what is yours? As a son and daughter of God, have you forgotten what we carry, 
the same power that raised Christ out of the grave, that He He lives in us, that He lives in you, that you have the same, that, that there's no one, no one has something different than you. We've all got the same Spirit in us, amen? Luke 15, verse 31, it says, My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. See, there are, Jesus shows us in this parable in Luke 15, the orientation of the father's heart, which has always been for the lost. Hundred sheep, one wandered away and went missing. He left the 99 to search for the one. The woman with the 10 coins, she loses one and she searches the whole house to try and find that one coin. And last but not least, is we have the 99, sorry, is we have the prodigal living son. And he went out and deliberately chose to be unrighteous. See, if you're not right with God, God loves you anyway. Maybe you've walked off. Maybe you've gone, God, I've given up on you. Maybe you, you, you don't know. Maybe this is the first time you've been in a, a, a room like this, in a church service like this. And you know, I want to tell you that there is a better way and His name is Jesus. Jesus said Himself that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I know what it's like to live a broken life. I know what it's like to grow up. My, my dad committed suicide three months after I was born. And so it was me, my older half-brother, and, uh, and my mum, and we were living in state housing, not much money at all. And as we grew up, my brother got into gangs and drugs, so I just followed in his steps. I started smoking cones when I was 12 years old, and uh, I found myself in stolen cars and, and this and that and in, in parties. And, and as I was working, trying to live my life, trying to get the most out of my life, I can, I can identify with this prodigal living son, and I can identify how empty it'll make you feel because none of that will sustain the emptiness that every single human has in their heart because that emptiness can only be filled by God's love because He created us and designed us to have His love in us and for us. Amen? And it wasn't until I was so broken and I found myself being forced to church and I was at the back going, God, if you're real, show me. And you know what? I had an encounter with God. I allowed Him to just go, all right, God, if you're real, just show me. And I had this encounter and right there, my life transformed. And you know what? If you're far from God, God loves you and He's knocking on your heart saying, all you need to do is believe that I sent my son 2,000 years ago to pay your debt of sin, which separates you from God because He wants relationship with you, His son and His daughter. And all you need to do is believe that He died on the cross for you and rose again from the dead. And it says that you have this beautiful exchange, your sin for His holiness and you would be no longer separated from God the Father, but finally, you would be connected in relationship. God loved you so much to make a way for you. All you need to do is believe. 
So right now, if you can close your eyes and bow your heads in this moment, in this room, I want to ask, are you right with God? Because God loves you. Is it time that you make this step to believe? All right, I want to, I want to believe in this Jesus. I want to get right with God. I want to have this everlasting life. I want to have this life to the full. It's only through Jesus. So if that's you in this place that you want to say, yeah, I want to believe tonight, you, maybe you've never done this or maybe you've just walked away from God. You can identify with this prodigal living son and you want to come back to the Father. You want to believe again. Just lift your hand right now. That's it from the front to the back, the left to the right. Just lift your hand. If that's you, you know you're not right with God and you want to get right with God right now. You want to make this 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 decision, this most important decision in your life. Say, yeah, I want, I want to get right with God. Awesome, looking over, looking over. Yeah, I see that hand. Yep, someone pointing over there. Anyone else in this place would love to include you in this prayer? I'd love to. We don't want to point you out or, or get you come out. We just want you to get right with God. Just lift your hand for me. That's it. Yeah, I see that. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I see that hand. Awesome. Anyone else? Awesome, I see those hands. That's fantastic. You can put them down now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Just I'm going to count to three. If that was you that... Maybe you really want to and just have in one. We've got time for you. Two, three. Fantastic. Hey, can we all stand to our feet? Is that okay? I would just love to pray with everyone. And with those people that put your hands up, I want to lead you all in a prayer that's inviting Jesus into your heart and allowing Him to forgive your sins. And I believe as you do this, that you'll be brought from death to life. So why don't you close your eyes And why don't you pray with me? Father God, I thank You so much that You loved me, that You would make a way for me by sending Your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for my sin. And You rose Him from the dead. And He's alive right now in heaven. Jesus, I wanna welcome You into my life into my heart, wash my sins away and make me holy as you are holy because I want to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we encourage those people that said yes, that said yes to God? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.